Flyers Daily with Jason Martinez. All right, here we go. Friday, November 19th edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Martinez. Flyers fall in the shootout to the Tampa Bay Lightning. 4-3 is your final. Flyers end up getting outshot in the game 32-30. They were getting outshot significantly heading into the third period of the game, but they managed in the third period to limit Tampa to just three shots. Tampa's first shot in the period, going by the way, going into a third period of a tie game, 2-2, they managed to get their first shot 11 minutes into the period. Flyers did a great job possessing the puck, playing in Tampa's end, creating pressure on Andre Vasilevsky and the Tampa D. Uh, 12 saves ultimately for Vasilevsky in that third period, but just three shots in the third period for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Tampa able to grab the lead on just their second shot of the period, which was with about two minutes left when Steven Stamkos fired one out of the corner and somehow it was able to squeak through Carter Hart. And when I say through, it's a little bit perplexing to me because Carter, after the game, talked about how that goal went in on what you would refer to as a dead angle. A dead angle shot is anything from the lower hash mark down to the goal line. And Stamkos is basically along the goal line and fires that, and somehow it squeezes through Carter. I've watched the replay 100 times. I still can't figure it out. But from uh, Bill Meltzer's Twitter and Gianna Hahn's Twitter, um, Hart talked about it after the game. And here's the quote. It says, kind of an equipment malfunction. I wouldn't have played it any differently. The puck slid between my shin and toe. That usually doesn't happen. Happen. I've used these pads four times, happens sometimes with older pads. He said it shouldn't happen, though, because the pads typically seal to the ice. Now, between the shin and the toe, is the, is, there's an ankle break on a pad. And sometimes with an older pad, that gets the pad gets fatigued, it breaks down, and you can create that little bit of a spot. You know who it used to happen to a little bit was Brian Elliott where his pads were almost curled more. They weren't as stiff as Carter Hart's. Uh, they were different types of pads. Not just, I don't mean brand, but I mean just a different model of pads. Carter wears uh, a true brand, which is basically a CCM E-Flex 4. And usually they're very rigid. And he likes them very rigid, which is one of the reasons why he moved from Vaughn goalie pads to CCM and now to True with Lefebvre as the designer. Because the... Vaughn pads would break down and get really soft, and those things could happen. Uh, but these are new pads. It's kind of shocking that between the shin and uh, the the ankle is where it doesn't go down and seal the ice. So uh, a bit of a bizarre goal um, for Steven Stamkos. He gives the Tampa Bay Lightning the lead and with just under two minutes to go in the game. But the Flyers, with the goaltender pulled, Claude Giroux, is able to pick up his second goal of the game. And that got it tied. Flyers got a point out of it. Nobody scored in overtime, although in the overtime, Flyers had four shots and Tampa had three. So heading into that third period in a 2-2 hockey game, the Flyers outshot Tampa 16-6. to Now, why is that important? And you look at pivotal moments in games, and heading into this game, the Boston Bruins game earlier this season, tied 3-3 heading into the third, Flyers won 6-3. The uh, Edmonton Oilers game, teams were tied at three. Flyers won 5-3. Flyers have been a good third-period team in close games and a good team at defending. Now, they've got four 2-1 wins this season. 
no margin for error. And going into this third period, which they were outshot significantly at that time, 26-14 to 14 heading into the third period, and then to only hold Tampa when the game is to play for to three shots in the period. Again, not they didn't get their first shot until about 11 minutes into the period. Their second shot with just under two minutes, the goal by Stamkos, and one came shot came after that. And then to give up three in overtime when the Flyers had 12 with the game hanging in the balance in the third and several good opportunities and four more in overtime. Um, that's a good sign. That's process that you like. They got outplayed in the first two periods, got a shot 26 to 14. Yes, Tampa's a very good team. Flyers are not on their level, and Tampa found a way to win the hockey game despite not getting those shots uh, in the third period and overtime to, to a large extent. But it's a good sign that the Flyers can come out and play a period like that and clamp down a very good high-powered team in Tampa. Yeah, they don't have Kucherov, but they're still high-powered. They still have Steven Stamkos, who leads them in scoring. They still have Braden Point. They still have Victor Hedman. They have some really good players, and the Flyers did a good job in that third period of really grabbing the game with the you know win-a-period-win-a-game mentality. It just didn't work out. But And, there's, and again, there's no moral victories. But if you look for signs that, you know, good signs of things to come, if you do that more often than not going into a third period when, you know, tied in a game and you outplay the team that significantly to where they don't even get their first shot on goal until 11 minutes into the period and it's a high-powered team like Tampa, that's a good sign. So that's a good – that is, in, in a way, a step forward. And Giroux gets two goals in the game. He scores the first goal, which was an absolutely sensational goal, just a minute 34 into the game. Flyers hadn't scored first in seven or eight games, I think it is, and Giroux comes out a minute and a half into the game and just gets an absolutely unbelievable move and undresses Vasilevsky and just a hard curl, uh, deke move on the goaltender, and he's able to put that home. And then also Travis Konechny picked up an unassisted goal in the first period, and kind of it was a Odd man rush. Flyers haven't scored a lot of goals off the rush. And I, I've been talking about this with Brian Smith on the intermission reports that when they're on the rush, you need a guy that's going to grab that puck and not go, hey, you shoot it. Here you go. That's going to take that puck like Cam Atkinson and wire a shot. Well, Konechny on this opportunity does. He's coming down. He's got Oscar Lindblom with him. And he looked off Vasilevsky. And I think that's why he scored. I asked him about it at the first intermission when I had him on the radio, Travis. And he said, yeah, I was definitely looking to pass, A, because that's the more high percentage play a lot of times, and B, because it was Oscar on Hockey Fights Cancer Month. So uh, he is able to wire that one. And he also mentioned where he shot it, because I asked him about you know, trying to score on a goaltender like Vasilevsky, who's so big, so athletic, moves so well, is so good. And he said, you know, sometimes you just simplify for those spots that are hardest for goalies to get to, and you shoot just above the pad, especially on the blocker side. That's the most difficult spot for a goalie to get to. On your glove side, it's different. You can just drop the glove. But on the stick side and on the blocker side, it's a little bit more difficult. That's a hard save. So you're looking at anywhere around 11.5 to 15 inches high. And that range is a really difficult save on the blocker uh, off the rush, especially for a right-handed shot like Travis Konechny, who wired that one by and uh, gave the Flyers the 2-0 lead. Then two goals in the second, one on the power play from Braden Point. Bit of a 
bizarre goal. And then uh, Matthew Joseph picked up uh, his third in the second period, headed to the third period with uh, the game tied at two. And like I said, at 18.04, Stamkos gets the goal on the dead angle shot that goes through heart, shin, and ankle area, and the ankle break on his pad. And then Giroud ties it at 19.51, his seventh goal of the season. Derek Broussard picked up the assist. He had two assists in the game as well. Overtime, no scoring. And then in the shootout, Sean Couturier uh, stopped by Andre Vasilevsky, and Giroud stopped by Vasilevsky. Meanwhile, Steven Stamkos wired a shot high blocker on Carter Hart, and as did Braden Point. And the two points go to the Tampa Bay Lightning. So I figured this would be a good time to kind of look at, you know, the, the situation with the Flyers. They're 15 games in. Not that that's a big monumental point in the season, but uh, they're 15 games into the season. And yeah, there are some concerns. Ryan Ellis is going to be out four to six weeks. Elaine Vigneault said that yesterday, and he's not going to have surgery, at least at this point. So he's going to be out four to six weeks. You get some at least some certainty with that he's going to be out for X amount of time. Kevin Hayes did not play in the game. They ended up calling up Max Willman. He played, goes into the, the lineup, and uh, Kevin Hayes was not available. Lane Vino said after the game he'll get more information on Hayes in the next 42 to 72 hours. Hopefully this isn't a, a big-time setback, or maybe this is just discomfort, breaking down scar tissue. I don't know. But their depth is really being put to the test here early in the season with Obviously, two very key positions not being available. Kevin Hayes is your second-line center. Ryan Ellis is your top-pairing right-side defenseman. These are very important spots. So we'll see what the uh, report is on, on Kevin Hayes in the next couple of days. Hopefully, it's that he can get back sooner than later. But, but I put out the question on Twitter, looking at the Flyers after 15 games. What are your thoughts and concerns? So let's get through a couple of these, and let's talk about them. Uh, let's start with Instigator. 889. He says, why did the Flyers not go to the wall for Eichel? Why do you believe the, what do you believe the fair ask was for Buffalo to get Eichel? I look, I wasn't a guy, A, Eichel's not going to be available for at least three months. And you have to find a way to fit him under your cap. And it's a big, big contract. And I love Eichel when he's healthy. I do. But when you're dealing with the back and vertebrae, there's, this is a dicey proposition trade for me. Um, before the trade even happened with the Las Vegas Golden Knights, it was something I would have had to be very, very careful about. Not necessarily just what you give up, but what you're committing to him. Because if he has continued issues, and he's only 25 years old, he's not old, but the back is a goofy, goofy thing to deal with when it comes to injury. So, I mean, if the Flyers were going to, be involved in a trade. Obviously, Morgan Frost would have been in the deal. Probably a rostered player. Uh, you know, they gave up Alex Tuck, did the Vegas Golden Knights. So you're looking at giving up, you know, some good players and a lot in picks. And there's a lot of risk involved. Eichel's special. He's a really good player, a great center. But it would have been something that I don't think now's the right time to talk about Eichel. It's already done that he's traded. But anyway, uh, let's go to Jace Esquela says, can somebody please fix the power play? At least it didn't look like the cover of Led Zeppelin won tonight. But outside of Konechny's chance in the third, it didn't feel dangerous. Yeah, they're really struggling. The power play is really struggling. There was one power play in the game where they had a lot of pressure, and they got some good shots, and they had some good opportunities. But, look, power plays are measured on if you score. You're not going to score all the time. You know, good power plays score 
20 to 23% of the time. But you also got to just grab a game and grab momentum with the power play. They haven't done much of that, obviously, either. Uh, Barry sa- Barry Schaefer says, what is your concern with Hart on the post? He's arguably the Vezina winner right now, small sample size, but I think to game one against Vancouver and tonight, it won't happen often, but he will fix it, right? Well, I mean, like you said, and I just brought up, I know when you tweeted this, Bear, that we hadn't heard that explanation from Carter that it was between the shin and the ankle, which is the ankle break of the pad and it didn't seal the ice well. Um, again, I said this on the postgame show. I thought the save selection was right. I thought the angle of his body in what's called an RVH, a reverse vertical horizontal, which is your post leg down, all the all the elements of the right save selection were there. It squeaked through them somehow and squeaked through that ankle break. It's unfortunate, but, you know, Drew picked him up and got the goal to tie it. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't. I don't think there's any concern with Carter in the post. I think his post integration is just fine. Um, Bahama Mama Enthusiast says, do you think it's time to bench Yandel? No, I don't. If Ryan Ellis is back, maybe there's a conversation. But no, I don't think there, it's time to bench Yandel. Be, look, he's, he's not a great defender. But he does bring an element to the game. Yeah, the power play is not working. Is it on Yandel? Maybe partially. It's on all the guys that are on the power play. Uh, Joey Ritter tweets and he says, the only thing that matters is the power play. It was, if that was clicking, no one would be bringing up the other points about the second period, slow players, Couturier's recent play, etc. He said, "I have no answer on how to make that more effective. The team is top of this team is top of standings. If the power play could score, well, they'd certainly be in a better spot, absolutely. And they have to figure out this power play. I don't know why it's such a struggle. They've tried several different looks. They've tried several different, um, you know." combinations of players but they got to figure something out because the power play needs to be an advantage when the other team goes to the box the, the power play needs to be an advantage uh anthony de grazio hey Ant, uh says why is the second period such an issue with this team solid third period team but the second is killing them it's weird because some games like that washington game that they won two to one on the road that, that second period was one of their best periods of the season and in some games of the season, the second's been really strong. Um, the first has been pretty strong for the most part throughout the season. Second has been, by the numbers, certainly the weakest period. And you're right about the thirds. The thirds have been really good. They've gone into the third periods trailing in a game like in Carolina, trailing one nothing and one two to one. They went into the third period uh, in the game against Edmonton and Boston, like I alluded to earlier, and they went and they grabbed a win. Even in the game last night, they went into the third period in a tie hockey game. They outshot their opponent 12-3 to in the third. They came away with a shootout loss. But you're right. Uh, you know, th- Part of that, too, is just natural pushback and pride on the other side. And you're not going to dominate all three periods in a game. That's just so rare in today's NHL because there's just too much parity. Fran O'Connor uh, tweets in and says, uh, Fortunate to steal a point back late tonight. But this team has eight wins and seven losses. Need to step it up if they want to get back in the playoffs. A lot of really good teams out there. Currently, they're in the middle of the pack team. Hope that changes. Yeah, you're right. Uh, if you look at OTLs or end shootout losses, they've won eight games. They've lost seven. But you can say that about a lot of teams. That's Again, this is the parity of the NHL. You know, Let's take uh, you know the Florida Panthers, who are leading 
the Atlantic Division. They've played 17 games. They have a record of 12-2-3. So it's actually a record of 12-5. and five. If you want to take look at losses, no matter how they come. Even, ta- even Tampa, they're 9-3-3. Three and three, So they're 9-6. and six. If you look at uh, a team like uh, the New York Rangers, they're 10-4-3. So that's 10-7. and seven. So, yeah, I know I get what you're saying. Um, but, you know, getting the point, the loser point, you guys all know I don't like it. I've talked about it a thousand times. Uh, I'm, you'll take it. <laughs> you're happy to get it last night. But, uh, yeah, I don't like the loser point. Let's go to uh, at Photo Dave. He says, what are the options if Hayes and Ellis are out long-term? Should they have surgeries and aim to come back in March? Uh, well, it was said today that Ellis is not going to have surgery. That it didn't require surgery. Again, I don't know what the injury is. I remember when Deshaun Jackson had a sports hernia, I think it was, the one year, and they knew about it in the second game, and they decided to rest him. And then he came back, and they didn't they didn't surgically repair it. If they would have surgically repaired it, he would have come back, and he probably would have been able to keep going. But they decided to rest him to see if he could play through it, and he never could, and he never played. So I don't know if that's the injury. I have no idea. And as far as Hayes go, you know, when you have a, a core surgery, not to mention a double core surgery in an offseason, you're going to have to break through some scar tissue, and it's going to be painful. I remember talking to Brian Elliott when he had that surgery about four years ago when he came back, and he talked about this wasn't on the radio or on the podcast or anything. And he just talked about how breaking down that that scar tissue is tough. It's painful. It hurts. And, but you gotta you gotta break that down to get back your full range of motion. Now it's tough on a goalie, but it's tough on every player too. Um, John Steyert tweets in and says, even healthy, this team clearly struggles to score. Could a frost call up be the answer, or is the answer outside the organization? Um, yeah, frost is an option. Is there an answer outside the organization? Maybe. Is Tarasenko still an option? What are you going to give up to get Tarasenko? You know, he's a guy that absolutely can score, wants to be traded, presumably still from St. Louis. Maybe that's an option. Um, but, yeah, Frost, I think, is part of, you know, going to be considered in this equation. And if Kevin Hayes is out long term, there's a real good chance that he could be called up. Yeah, he didn't make the team in that spot out of camp. Doesn't mean he can't be called up at any time. Uh, let's go to Nick Nicky Knack 21. He said Hart was super dialed in tonight. A shame that one squeaked in uh, by him late in the third. On a positive note, they did steal a point, and I'm feeling cautiously optimistic. Yeah, I mean, that was a shame because Carter did play a really good game. And to have that kind of goal go in, they happen. I mean, they happen to every goalie. But this team bailed him out because, it, you know, Giroux scores with the goalie pulled, and they end up getting it to overtime and having the opportunity. So that's a good thing. Nick Roberts tweets in and says, with the play of Drew so far this season clearly elevated, do you think he has a chance to make Team Canada's roster in the Olympics? I think that's probably not likely, but um, I'm, I mean, he's a great player, and he is clearly playing very good. But, you know, I don't know how they're going to construct that team. Would he be an option as a winger? Sure. Uh, again, I don't know that it's likely. He's been passed over before when he was younger. But it all depends on how they want to construct the team. It's not necessarily about the best players going. It's also about roster construction. So that's got to be considered as well. And how certain players can play with some of the other players. Uh, POV, Rob Povia. Uh, 
Sweetana says, since they're so bloody exciting, should the NHL get rid of the shootout and have 10-minute three-on-three OTs? Guess I'm biased. Yeah, I don't like the shootout. I don't love the three-on-three overtime, to be honest with you. But it's more, way more, you know, resembles hockey way more than the shootout does. And I don't say this just because the Flyers haven't been good at the shootout. I don't like the shootout. It's not hockey. It turns it into a skills competition that should be happening at All-Star Weekend. Make the three-on-three go to 10 minutes. It's it's going to never last to 10 minutes. And if it does and it goes to a tie after 10 minutes, give each team a point and move on. It's not going to be like the old days where, you know, there was, uh, you know, you had 12 to 15 ties on your schedule a year and fans come to a game, they spend all that money, and they go, ah, I walk out with a tie. It's like kissing your sister, you know, the, all the cliches. Uh, let's go to Anthony Venezia tweets in and says, the start of the season has been solid. Not great, but solid is fair with mostly missing Hayes and Ellis. He said, I'm interested to see if they the progress like they didn't the nineteen they progressed like they did in the nineteen twenty season. In order to do that, what part of their game, other than the power play, do you think they need to improve on? Great question. Well, just five on five scoring, creating more high danger chances. There's a lot of times Last night was not one of them where they outshoot their opponent. But when you look at the high danger chances for and scoring chances, they don't grade out as high as their opponent. So I, th- I still think they need to clean some things up defensively. I think they're giving up, you know, some some plays that I don't like, and the goaltending is outperforming the environment with both Carter Hart and Martin Jones. But I think that they need to be a team that generates more quality scoring chances. Again, this is not about shots. It's about quality scoring chances. Zach Steffel tweets in and says, Why is this team still so inconsistent? One good game followed by a mediocre performance. They haven't lost two in a row yet, but they also haven't won more than two in a row. And they've only won two in a row twice. Okay, so they haven't won three in a row is what you're saying. Okay, when does AV's seat start heating up? Um... Again, I don't look at the game against Tampa and say it was inconsistent. Tampa controlled the play for the most part in the first two periods. They outshot the Flyers 26-13. to And even when the Flyers got outshot in the first period, giving up 13 shots to five, they had a 2-0 lead. So, again, the te- your team is not playing poorly when it's getting outshot. Your team is not going to go out every night and dominate the opponent. There are ebbs and flows in this sport. They have they are off to, like the one previous tweeter said. They're off to a solid start. Are they off to a great start? No, not in my opinion. They're off to a decent start to the season. When you consider that they've been without Hayes all but two games and they've been without Ellis all but four games, it's a pretty solid start to the season. And the goaltending's been good. There's the areas that still need to be fixed. They need to score more goals. The power play is a mess. The penalty kill gave up a goal last night, but has been much improved. And again, the goaltending has been good. There are good signs, but not everything's there yet. A lot of new players here, too. we got to see how that plays out and how they round into form as a team. We're not even at Thanksgiving yet. It's next week, but we're not there yet. There's a lot of identity still that needs to develop with this team. Ristolainen, I think, has been really good of late. Sanheim's playing a lot better. 
Provorov's been unbelievably good. So I think there's something wrong with Sean Couturier because it doesn't seem like he's controlling the game as much when he's out there right now. Something looks off with him to me. But, I mean, he's not reporting any injury or anything like that. You don't expect him to. He never does. But, you know, I look at it and I go, okay, Couturier doesn't look right. His numbers are good. And I don't know if something happened in, you know, four or five games ago. But he looks a little off right now. Uh, Let's go to, I don't even know how to say this. (laughs) Zyzaix says, are you tired of having to hear the team thank goaltending for keeping them in games? It sounds like a broken record. Love how Hart and Jones are playing, but this isn't sustainable. Defense and goaltending are solid. Goal production seems to be the problem this season. Okay, we're 15 games in, and I will never, ever, ever, as a Flyer fan, how the hell on God's green earth can you be tired of them saying, and it sounds like a broken record, that they're thanking goaltending for keeping them in games? How the frig is that bad? Die for good goaltending. How is that a bad thing that you thank every team that's good Needs their goalie to be good at points in games to keep them in it. Have we lost our freaking minds? Am I tired of hearing the team thank goaltending for keeping them in games? What's the alternative? Saying, I wish we had a goaltender that could keep us in games? Come on. You're better than that. All right, one more. One more. And Kyle Seifer tweets in and says, What is the Flyers' identity? Oh, God, is that a good question. I mean, they wanted to be a team that's difficult to play against. They've been relatively difficult to play against. They're a team that has grabbed a, a bunch of wins in the third period. That's a good trait. I think they're a team right now, and it's only 15 games in, so this identity is not fully established. But I think it's trending in this direction. We'll see if it fully molds into this direction. And identity is one of those things that has to happen organically. You can't say my identity is this and have it be that. Your identity has to be what you are, not what you say you are. Um, For me, though, they've been a team that does not quit no matter what the situation. Again, getting outshot in this game, 26 to 13 heading into the third period. They give up three shots in the third period. Uh, You know, a team that against Boston was tied at three. They won 6-3. A team that went on the road and was really kind of hemmed in by an Edmonton Oilers team and went out and played a great third period against Edmonton on the road and beat the hottest team in the NHL, 5-3. A team that played against the Carolina Hurricanes, the best team in the East, had given up a whopping three total third period goals at that point. And the Flyers went out down one nothing and scored two third-period goals and won the game. So they're a team that's going to play it to the final horn. I know sometimes that doesn't look like they've played from the opening face-off to the final horn, but that's momentum in games. That's not effort. That's not will. So we'll see how the identity develops. We'll also see how they bounce back coming up tomorrow against the Boston Bruins. We'll preview that uh, that uh, matchup coming up on tomorrow's episode. But everybody, start your weekend off right. Have a great Friday, and we'll talk to you on tomorrow's brand new Flyers Daily.